Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 202 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Mob Psycho 100 Part 2, Episodes 6 through 7, plus Reading Siren, where in one you get exposed as a fraud, and in the other you get exposed to a murder dimension. Murder Dimension, the nice place that you go when you want to go on vacation. Hi, I'm your best friend that's here to tell you all about your favorite place to go if you are a serial murderer. It's Murder Dimension. Over here we have young puppies that are ready to go to the slaughter. Over here we have birds that are ready to have their necks broken. And over here we have Steven Seagal ready to be (laughs) murdered at your leisure. Wouldn't you like to kill Steven Seagal? Then join Murder World. Anyways, let's jump in. The that went a lot of places that I wasn't expecting. But <laughs> one of uh, one of the things it reminded me of was uh, a friend. So when I lived in San Francisco, a friend of mine told me that they were riding a bus. Uh, specifically the bus that went through the area, including Chinatown one day. And uh, the bus pulled up to a stop and a, an old Chinese woman wanted to get on the bus and she was carrying a live chicken. And the bus driver was like, no, 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 you can't get on the bus with a live chicken. So the woman grabbed the chicken's head and broke its neck and walked on the bus. (laughs) Oh shit. (laughs) Oh my fucking God. She got to get where she's going. (laughs) Also, she was just like, I know what I'm about. Fucker. (laughs) Also just in the streets of San Francisco. (laughs) Well, I mean, honestly, honestly, like not to be, not to be one of those people, but like, you know, there's a there's an entire world full of people that that are just like this is the way that I eat and I don't give a single fuck if you have a problem with it I got to get this chicken home because it's dinner. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so, you know, I don't love it but I also respect the hustle. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Well, uh well, hey man, what's what's going on in your world? Oh, not much. I, we, we've been to like two weddings this year out of three. We have our, our third and final wedding coming up and I'm really looking forward to it not happening because on top of also going to C2E2, it's been a lot of like expensive trips one after the other. And I'm really looking forward to like financially stabilizing. So that's been my life is just stressing about money and working a lot and then going to weddings. Well, I guess that is a thing that people can do. It is. <laughs> maybe <laughs> stop. Maybe stop going to weddings. I don't know. Just a thought. Well, <laughs> this is our last one for the year. So that's good. I think our next one isn't until like May. Yeah. Uh, not much is going on with me, um, other than the fact that, uh, uh, I have been just so swamped with still working on this house that it's just like the, the amount, the amount that I still need to do to have it be completely, completely completed. And also (laughs) the amount that I like want to do things, but have, 
basically to like uh, set aside my time to do something else with this house is just maddening. Like I, I, I can't find the time to do almost anything because it's, it's either work or house or, you know, parenting. <laughs> yeah. And one I, of those things. Uh, you know, when I was visiting you, obviously like we were doing podcast stuff. So we weren't always around the house and the kids. And when we were at the house, like your wife was doing housework stuff while we were doing babysitting uh, with her parents. And so I was, I really like almost not at all was around both of you just kind of existing in the space. Oh yeah. It's Matt. So this this is me saying that I didn't get uh, like a super strong, like look at, at you and how you're sort of like divvying up parenting and sort of doing that outside of, you know, uh, extra, you know, requirements on your time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, your kids were constant. Like they were like always like, <laughs> look at me. And then the other one would be like, well, don't look at that one. Look at this one. <laughs> well, this is just, this is children, Blake. This is how children yeah. works. Yeah. Anyways. Hey, do you have any anime news? Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't, I keep looking for, I mean, there, you know, the closest we've got is that there is, a huge hullabaloo making waves and I know very little about it. So I don't want to go too deep on it, but uh, the big news this week was HBO pulled a lot of animated content, specifically animated content that came from cartoon network. Although I tried to watch mob psycho 100 on there, which is where I believe I have been watching it and it wasn't on there. So I don't remember if that is because they only had season one and I switched for season two and I forgot or if it got moved off, but I know there was a huge hullabaloo that there's, it it is one of those things. We talked about this on the show before, not specifically about HBO max and cartoon network, but about the idea of like making something versus licensing something. And, yeah. the, you know, tragic compromise of our capitalistic system is that in order to be an artist who makes something that gets, you know, widely distributed and gets put on big streaming services and sort of like has that shot at notoriety, you almost like with almost no exceptions, I guess you have to make a deal with a big network that then essentially gets to own all of your work. And they get to have a say in the creative process, which, you know, you'll you will have varying degrees of of comfort with that. A lot of creators are perfectly happy with the compromises they have to make to put their work on the screen and feel that they get a lot of creative freedom. I would say that's probably even more true now in the streaming age. Uh, And I I have that impression from like creator comments on shows like Adventure Time the Cartoon Network has for a long time had a, a relatively high comfort level with letting creators make the thing they want to cre- to make and not getting too much in their way. Mm. Uh, but yeah, a lot of content was put onto HBO Max and then based off of the tidbits of information I've seen, so please forgive me if I'm getting something wrong, it seems like HBO Max has removed a lot of Cartoon Network content um, and the big hullabaloo is twofold. One, this content has been removed without being replaced onto another platform. So it seems to be that the content is removed because of a licensing issue 
wherein HBO doesn't have the license anymore or doesn't want to pay for it or something like that. And the, but they maybe have distribution rights or something. Uh, And so one of those really obnoxious, when you think about like trying to create something or trying to watch something, you just don't feel like these kinds of things should exist type of things that exists is causing the content to basically no longer be on HBO Max, but also no longer be anywhere. So like it has gone from being a trove of Cartoon Network shows to being like, you can't watch these anywhere legally. And Mm. the second sadder thing is that several creators have now had their work removed from legal streaming services. I saw a tweet from one creator of a Cartoon Network show who was like, I made this for my kids and now they can't watch it. And so there has been a pretty big outcry over this. And I have seen basically only negative reactions. And I, as I hinted at on this show, am predisposed to be anti corporate bullshit when it comes to whether or not you can watch a thing. I think we actually talked about pirating on last week's episode Mm. and like the fact that I don't, I, you know, I always want to support the official release, but that I understand that there, you know, there comes a time when something goes from reasonable to unreasonable requests as far as like, how many things do we have to pay for to get this thing legally uh, how much money do I need to spend as a consumer versus how much you're making as a corporation, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we can have philosophical and moral discussions about where that line is, whether it exists, et cetera. But I think that this kind of falls into that same category of, on the one hand, you have artists who want to make a thing and, uh, you know, consumers who want to consume the thing that was made and enjoy it and appreciate it. And on the other hand, you have corporations who want to make money off of a thing that was made that is being consumed. And the two are not in uh, harmony all the time. And this is one of those instances that seems like they are at great disharmony, where the corporations are battling it out to make as much money as they want. And the people who are being punished are the people who made the things they're making the money off of. And the people who desperately want to watch the thing in a legal format and are now no longer being given that option. So I'm finding it all a little frustrating and, you know, a a continued foreboding indicator of the stratification of the streaming marketplace, uh, while also not having spent enough time looking into it. You have enough of an opinion that I'm willing to, like, put, you know, put my stake in the ground in one of these areas. Yeah. It's a, it's just kind of a weird, weird place to be at. I don't know, man. I'm feeling, yeah. I'm feeling negative <laughs> about it. You uh, what? I'm feeling negative about it. I got to be honest yeah, with you. It's, I, I am too. I feel negative. I, I don't like it. Just yeah. like, you know, I know it's utopia of me and I know that like, you know, it doesn't, you know, I, I keep saying the word capitalism. <laughs> I don't want it to be like a big rant against capitalism or a huge political thing or whatever. But like, you know, part of the deal of capitalism is that you have trade-offs so that people can make things by making money. But I think as we've said on this show, like Spencer and I have both been, I think have both felt somewhat victimized by that system growing up through the school system where, you know, we put, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours into like high quality theatrical productions uh, and 
continued to hear how like there were budget constraints and concerns from people across the department, like in college uh, at the same time that we had like millions of dollars being spent on sports programs that were doing just fine. And it was like, mm-hmm. these sports pro- programs are generating revenue left and right. And you're throwing more money at them. While like over here, you also have like Memphis is one of the best theater programs in the region. Like if you're, you know, I don't know, within driving distance, it's one of your better options. And, uh, you know, we, we, I, I wouldn't say necessarily that I'm like, we weren't able to build that set or we weren't able to get that prop because of these budget constraints. But I do know that that was something that was spoken about frequently in our department about, um, financial limitations that may have prevented us from choosing one show over the other stuff like that. And so, you know, I, you have those trade-offs in a capitalistic society, but as somebody who wants to make stuff, uh, I can't just sit at home and make stuff because it doesn't pay. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know, like I made this podcast for a few years and we didn't want to have ads on it. Now we have ads on it because it didn't pay. (laughs) And, you know, like we just, uh, that's the system we live under and that's the trade-off. And I think this is one of those negative consequences of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's just kind of a it's kind of a weird thing and I I don't I don't know what else to say about it other than that. Um yeah. So not on this podcast at least. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about a manga. Uh so this week we had a, a new page read. Um it was called Siren but but written as Psyren. <laughs> PSYren. This was suggested by Zykotics in our Discord, but I will note, uh, as I've said many times on the show, I used to get a physical uh, copy of Shonen Jump mailed to me every month, back when they still made a physical copy of it in English here in America, and they ran Siren in it for a little while, and I fucking loved it, and I've wanted to reread it for a long time. I've been looking forward to uh, to uh, returning to it in the podcast format. And uh, so Psygotics mentioned it in our Discord, but I wholeheartedly second it and uh, have read it before and have many thoughts on rereading it. And I'm curious about what you took. Uh, The the premise is uh, there's a kid in high school who is Ichigo from Bleach. And uh, then there's a girl in his class who used to be cool when they were in elementary school, but now she's all sad all the time. Uh, or she's kind of rude, I guess, and like cold intentionally and push people away. There's also an urban legend about this thing called Siren that has something to do with mysterious phone cards that turn up out of the blue. Our protagonist gets one of those phone cards, finds out that the sad girl also has one of those phone cards before she vanishes after yelling out, save me. Uh, he then gets into an altercation with like mobsters or something because these phone cards are valuable. And as he's trying to escape from them, he is whisked away to somewhere, a sort of desert area with some ruined buildings around. And uh, he finds his friend who had been missing, uh, the sad girl, and he finds another group of people and they discover that they are in some sort of game that uh, the narration says will be a game of life and death survival. Uh, So, yeah, what would you think? Yeah, so, okay, so 
I decided to do something a little bit different this week. Um, I I know the the original stated thing of our page flips was to read the first three chapters and see what we thought. So uh-huh. what I decided to do instead, though, is I wanted to take the first chapter as read and just go exclusively off that chapter and see. If oh it wow, you missed me. some big stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, but I will say that. As as somebody who is picking this up with zero prior knowledge of this manga existing, it is a total one hundred percent hook. It is a, both it, it both gets me excited about the fact that I am going to have to read Isekai, which is very difficult to do, um, <laughs> and at the same time, it is also reminding me very much of Escaflone, which is one of ah. my favorite fantasy animes I have also, ever watched. technically an isekai, I believe. Yes. Um, so one of the big things I think that really drew me in, though, was the suspense slash, uh, the suspense slash mystery that is introduced and not explained at all until the very last moment of the first, uh, the first chapter. And the other thing about it is like that sequence where he is at the phone being asked these inane questions mixed with really pointed questions was both fucked up and super interesting. And also throughout the first chapter that, that moment where he, he, he either is actually being talked to by a spiritual being that exists either outside of the plane or just beyond the side of the plane, or he is somebody that is losing his mind in this moment. And he doesn't, he doesn't know exactly what's happening inside of these moments. And that they're the way that they do that sequence too, where like he's following her and then she just disappears. And then he has this question of like, I don't know where she went. And also like, was I actually following her in this moment or did I just imagine that? And it's just like that that weird almost like horror aspect to it. It's it's got a it checks a lot of boxes for me. Um and I was left wanting to read more, and I think that their their hook really landed on me. I so uh, let me from a meta perspective, I am both happy and upset that you decided to do this. Because on the one <laughs> hand, I was really not sure how you would take this. I remember being hooked by this very quickly, as you said, kind of for all the reasons that you said, I think it does a really good job of building a foreboding mystery and holding its cards relatively close to the chest. You don't know what's happening or why at the beginning of the first chapter. And I would say I, by the end of the third chapter, you still don't really know what's happening. The second chapter is essentially a second prologue. Uh, like the first chapter is all like all stuff that ends with him getting whisked away to another world. And the second chapter is all like, well, we're here now and what the fuck is going on kind of table setting, which I think again is a familiar place to be in an isekai. I guess this technically counts as an isekai. It also, I mean, it's hard. Okay. So it's hard. Cause I know what happens. I read many chapters of this. <laughs> I did not finish it. I don't know what happens ultimately. Uh, so I'm looking up, according to Wikipedia, Isekai is a, a Japanese genre of portal fantasy and science fiction. 
revolving around a person or people who are transported to and have to survive in another world, such as a fantasy world, virtual world, another planet, or parallel universe. So yeah, this is definitely an isekai, uh, but it is not the isekai that we are usually talking about, aka European fantasy isekai. This is not that at all. Uh, This is bleach isekai. (laughs) So, like, I... And I say that, uh, I don't know, especially Spencer is a bigger Bleach fan than I am, even though we're both Bleach fans. Uh, I'm sure some Bleach people out there will appreciate the comparison. I'm sure some Bleach people will refuse the comparison. But to me, one, I think the character design of our main character is pretty close to Ichigo. He is introduced in a nearly identical way to Ichigo, except that Ichigo is slightly more altruistic. Um... And, uh, you know, Bleach is basically an isekai (laughs) and, uh, it sort of happens in a similar way, although Bleach stays in the human world for a while and it is monster fights. And Spencer, the reason I'm upset at you is that you didn't get to the monster fights. (laughs) Well, the nice thing about it is that I can still keep reading it. (laughs) Yeah. Basically chapter two opens up with like the shot from the end of chapter one, where he's looking out at this barren wasteland that he suddenly finds himself in, which is also a very fun transition. It's chaotic. And then like you turn the page and he's like in another place. And I don't know if they did this just to give a sense of scale on the page without increasing the page count, or if they did this on purpose for like an effect but the like reveal that he's in a new place is a long panel sideways. And that is cool. <laughs> and uh, he just suddenly appears there and he's like, suddenly there was silence, like complete silence. And then he sees he's in this other place and you get a little narration. That's like, I have found myself in a life or death struggle. And chapter two opens up with him standing there. And then a person crawls out of a hole nearby and is like, Oh my God, help me. And then gets stabbed by a giant centipede with a human face that is white colored, like hollows might be sometimes. It looks like basically a big ass hollow mask. Like instead of a hollow body with a mask on it, it's all hollow mask material. And then it gets cut in half by somebody wielding a sword. It is bleach. (laughs) And if you just, if you like bleach and you just want more bleach, but a little bit, you know, like you messed with the colors on the TV a little bit. So it looks a little different. This is, this is that. Well, uh, I mean, that sounds interesting to me. I will, yeah. I will, I will point out that <laughs> one of the things that, one of the things that I was thinking the entire time you were telling me all of the things about what I was about to read was just like, I told you I was about to just read it. So I mean, <laughs> way to just give it away, Blake. But the well, other thing was, I, I left out I, a lot. <laughs> Many... I didn't tell you the stuff from past chapter three. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I will also point out that many people at work that I work with actively are fans of Black Clover. And uh-huh. I am up to date on all of the manga <laughs> that I oh want to read right now. And it is infuriating. <laughs> and so I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to read and try to choke down Black Clover again. <laughs> See if it gets better. <laughs> And now I got to read part of this, and I was just like, oh, no, fuck that idea. I'm just going to read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm trying to look to see how many chapters it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, because one thing I was like, why didn't, why isn't this more popular? 
It's not unknown. It ran for a long time. It ran for 145 chapters. Yeah, I've got 145 chapters to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's 16 Tankoban volumes. And the reason I'm like, I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. I don't hear a lot of people referencing it. And I do think part of the problem is, I remember uh, we read um, another manga that I enjoyed and that you were not as hot on. Um, and it was, it was a supernatural manga called Phantom Seer. Mm-hmm. And I liked it because it was creepy. Um, and it did a lot of fun stuff with like uh, demons and mysticism and stuff like that. And I, I really wasn't, enjoy that stuff in the same Phantom, way. That I really wasn't Phantom en- Seer just Jujutsu Kaisen Light? That is what you said. And yep. I think that that might be this series's problem is that people are like, yes, it's fine, but also there's bleach and that's the same thing, but better. And yeah. I would say, yeah, siren hooked me. I think siren in my memory, and it's been a long time since I've read it. And I couldn't tell you how far in I got maybe like 20 chapters um, because then they stopped fucking doing print versions of the manga and I didn't have a Shonen jump subscription. I fell out of all of the stuff I was reading. But I really dug this and they start getting into the first little bit of the story is a lot of this like survival game. And then they start getting to, into like, OK, how are we going to fight back? And that's really fun. And I also think it differentiates itself from Bleach at that point because Bleach is about weapons and this is not. Uh, and so I I really enjoy I really enjoyed this a lot. And it has lived in my head as one of those manga that stood out to me, not only for being something that like hooked me and was really fun and good, but also that was mysteriously unknown. Why don't more people talk about this? Why haven't more people read this and looking at it, it ran for three years, uh, which is a very respectable run of 145 chapters is a lot. And Mm -hmm. there's no anime adaptation. Yep. It seems like it did pretty well. If it had done worse, it wouldn't have gone for that long. They would have canceled it early, like so many of the other series I've read recently and enjoyed. Yeah, And it didn't. It went. It. I, I don't know if it ends abruptly, if it like dwindles in popularity over a long period of time, and then they tell them to wrap it up, or if they made it to the ending they wanted. But they, they got a huge run. And I'm like, why don't more people talk about this? This ran for three full years. Why isn't there an anime adaptation? It seems like it was plenty popular for it to keep getting renewed all that time. So I'm just confused about this, but I I remembered loving it and rereading it. I was like, nope, those memories are accurate. This is good. I want to read more. I really like this. Yeah, well. And I want all of you to read more and talk to me about it. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, we also have our normally scheduled anime to talk about and... Uh, if you are ready to watch a just perfect, perfect two episodes of Mob Psycho 100 that have no fighting, be prepared because episodes six and seven are going to fucking get you there. Blake, tell us, tell us what happened previously on Mob Psycho 100 too. Well, basically all you need to know are two of the main characters. So the main main character is a kid who goes by the name of mob. That's not his, his real name, but I can never remember his real name because everybody just calls him mob. And uh, he is a middle school student who is a very, very, very powerful psychic. Um, 
generally it manifests as telekinesis, but uh, it does seem to extend past that as well. Um, he is uh, very sort of like lonely and depressed kid. He's just kind of like in- internal uh, in that way that like a kid who doesn't really know who they are yet and is sort of like nervous and full of self-doubt self doubt all the time is just kind of like quiet and internal. He's that kid. Um, and uh, he starts at the uh, beginning of the series he starts in joining what's called the body improvement club, which is oh. basically the, the local workout club. And, uh, just full of the he, best people you could ever want to meet. <laughs> yeah. He's the scrawny kid. They're all the buff boys. And you kind of think going in like, Oh, this, this is going to be oil and water. They're not going to mix. And instead they are all just delightful sweethearts who are super happy w- about his enthusiasm and willingness to join. And yeah. so even though he can't keep up with them, they just love him and they make him part of their group. Yeah. And, the, the characters uh, from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, if they weren't awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then there is a mentor in Mob's life, a guy named Reagan. Reagan is a con man who pretends to be a powerful medium. So he claims that he has psychic powers, the ability to see spirits, and uh, the ability, therefore, to exercise those spirits. Because in this world, uh, spirits are real and they're haunting you and all that kind of stuff. A mob with his psychic powers can actually see, interact with, and exercise spirits, and does so frequently under the guise that Reagan isn't going to use his own powers because he's training mob and so mob should use his powers. But of course, really, Reagan just doesn't have any powers, and he is just a con man. And so you frequently see him doing things like having people come in and say that they've got like a weight on their shoulders that they think is an evil spirit haunting them. And then he massages them while spouting off nonsense, says that it was a a secret exorcist technique, and they leave feeling better because he massaged out the tension, but convinced them that it was an exorcism. Stuff like that. Um, So he has been uh, employing Mob at a deeply discounted salary for a while now. And this has been kind of the setup of the show. Of course, we are uh, halfway through season two now and they've gone on a lot of adventures. And one of the things that we've been doing in season two is looking at the ways that this, uh, this arrangement is starting to not work as well for mob in season one. It was mostly focused on the fact that Mob was a middle schooler who didn't know what to do with himself and Reagan was taking advantage of him. And now Reagan is a lovable con man. He is Sawyer from Lost. He's the con man where you're where you're like, yeah, if I knew this person in real life, I might not like them. But as a fictional character, he's actually kind of delightful and fun. And Reagan also cares for Mob. Uh, he does. Even though he's using Mob, you can tell that there's a real affection there and there's a kinship from them working together for so long. Uh, But as season two has progressed, a few things have been happening. One, Mob has been getting a little more confident. He has been spending, obviously, all this time in the Body Improvement Club, so his relationships have started to strengthen uh, and kind of, you know, calcify over time. And um, he has also been on a few jobs recently that have really started making him question uh, the moral angles of the exorcisms and spiritual stuff that he has been doing. Um, so he's really started to, to feel doubt mixed in with a newfound self-confidence. 
Um, he's starting to get a sense of himself that he hasn't had before while also starting to feel the nuances of what he's doing in a way that he's never really investigated. Uh, they've also become much busier recently. And so while all of this has happened, Mob has also been put to work more so than he had been in the past. And uh, so I think this has maybe been detracting from some time with his friends. And uh, that's led to some tension under the surface that I, I got to be honest, I as a viewer wasn't really noticing tension between Mob and Reagan as much as between Mob and the job he was doing for Reagan. Uh, didn't really have to do with Reagan as a person. But in this, there is some tension underlying that character um, connection between the two of them. That's going to start bubbling over. And, and honestly, I think that's all you need to know. There's a lot of other characters, and a lot of other stuff that's happened. But I think for these episodes, you really just need to know Mob and Reagan and their relationship. Yeah. And that takes us into our first episode of the week. It's called Episode 6, Poor Lonely Whitey. Um, and I don't this... appreciate being called out like this in an episode <laughs> title. First of all, thank Blake, you. Like just sitting in front of his screen, just being like racist. <laughs> like, I'm in this and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's the thing in this episode. Uh, first and foremost, it's going to start out with the, the like backstory unexpectedly of Reagan. Just uh, he's, he's, Apparently he was working for a company. They never give you the name of the company. They just say yeah. the company that he worked. He worked for a company. Um, Seems like a, maybe like a telemarketing thing based off of some of the snippets of conversation you get. Yeah. And he leaves it. Uh, I think the way it was shot led me to believe that he had failed out. Like he was not successful there. And I was like, but he's actually a really good salesman. He's very sort of slimy and, thinks on his feet very well. I think what happened, and I think he alludes to this later, is that he got bored and he kind of yeah. quit on a whim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He sort of, he sort of like failed his own. He, he failed himself out is what I, it, what I seem to get from it. Um, yeah. He's like, this so, is not for me. Yeah. It was less so that other people forced him out and more so that he was just like, uh, no, I've decided that I don't, I don't want this. And yeah. because I don't want this, uh, I don't have to do it. And one of the things that he also explains inside of the, the, the very first like part of the episode is that he goes into the office that will become his spirit office where he works with mob. And the first thing that he says is he goes, okay, now what am I going to do? Because I came in here and I didn't have any ideas when I was coming in. And it's that moment of just like this person met his like quarter life crisis where he was just like, I, I don't know what to do with my life. And I'm just going to go out here and just be in the world because otherwise I'll just have to, you know, be the same thing that I'm, have had to be my whole life, I guess up until this point, it's just a, it's, it's a really, it's a really kind of like interesting slash like, man, the point in my life I am at. (laughs) And I know that Blake has been at this point inside of his life in recent memory as well. Like up to, and potentially including now. Yeah. It's just like that, that time where you're just like, fuck, like, exactly what do I want to do with my life and where, where do I see myself? 
it's it's really it's really prescient <laughs> like of yeah. what of what real people go through inside of these moments it's it's really fascinating too yeah this show just keeps uh, i mean i think it's there in season 1 but season 1 here's a weird way of looking at it cuz i wouldn't say this about season 1 in a vacuum but in comparison to season 2 season 1 is kind of whimsical mm-hmm. like it it doesn't ignore these deep things it always is a show about a kid trying to figure out who he is tottering on the brink of adolescent depression and fighting it back accidentally through the act of being manipulated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, like there is a a sort of dark real world adult core to this show, but season two is just unambiguously delving into different aspects of it. And yeah, this is such a relatable thing. And like, honestly, I, in, in my experience, this is just sort of a constant struggle. Like every once in a while you get, you get, to doing something, uh, whether it's a, a hobby or a job or something like that, that really fulfills you. And then that fulfillment wears off over time because people are like that. And uh, unless you're, unless your job is like constantly pivoting with you, you start to sort of question like, okay, where's this going? What am I doing here? What's next for me? And that's mm-hmm. really like a big moment that Reagan is having here. And yeah, it's super relatable. Uh, and then, they like end this flashback with Reagan looking and seeing basically an advertisement for like mystic beaded necklaces that you can buy. And and I, it's so quick that I couldn't tell if this was an advertisement for you to purchase those necklaces or if it was an advertisement for you to get rich selling those necklaces. There was some verbiage about getting rich on there. That makes me, yeah. About it's about becoming, or it's the second one. Like becoming a millionaire is one of the things that it says yeah. like explicitly like on pyramid there. scheme type shit. Like sell this nonsense product, make a bunch of money through the art of magic. Mm-hmm. And you know, but it's so cool because we as an audience know who Reagan is. And all you have to know is that he saw this ad uh for a second, and the next thing you know, he has his own business tricking people about mysticism. And it's like kind of I don't know. It like put this like perverse smile on my face where I was like, again, he's a con man. And I, you know, I don't support people being conned and I wouldn't want to be conned in real life. And I wouldn't want to be friends with a guy who's conning people so easily, but like, you know, as a fictional character, he's like kind of delightful. <laughs> and you see that, that sort of smooth suaveness of him just like, connecting the dots of that flashback to what you know of his present. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, he's a really, really complex character. Um, the, the more you look into him and the more we go into this episode, because they are going to have like, man, they are going to have a complete blow up later on inside of this episode. You'll see it in a little while, but the first thing that's going to happen to me, but also felt like it's definitely not coming from nowhere, you know? Yeah. It, there's a bubble up and it, it gets, it gets intense. But the other thing that happens before, um, before like the whole blow up thing happens is just, Oh man, I fucking love, I fucking love so much about what happens inside of this episode. When you have like the, the body improvement club, 
just being best friends with Mob. Yes. And just like. So delightful. And they're so fucking supportive, man. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it is like definitively wholesome where you're just yeah. like, this makes me feel warm inside. I'm smiling. Mm-hmm. There is no like conflict here. And we're all just people who love each other, having a good time together. And mm-hmm. we all just get to sit in that and enjoy it for a few minutes. Yeah. It's just, it's just beautiful. And like, they're, they're like, you've done more. He's doing pushups. And they're like, uh-huh. you've done more pushups than you've got a new record on your pushups. And he's just like, yeah. And they're, then, uh, then they're like, you know what we should do is that, uh, we should, we should like hang out together. Um, no, before that, they, they, they toss him up in the air and they're just like, great for you, mob. And then oh, this other yeah. guy's just like, my birthday was the other day and you didn't toss me up in the air. And they were like, what? It was your birthday the other day? We should. And they start tossing him in the air and the other guy's just like, well, my birthday's coming up. And they're just like, well, shit, we should go out and <laughs> do stuff together. What are we doing it's here? so sweet. It's the <laughs> sweetest little friendship ever. <laughs> it's just so delightful. These guys are so delightful. And there's also what's so fun about it too, is that it's a mixed group. So you have mob who is a member of the body improvement club and has been wholeheartedly welcomed into it, but who does not look like he's one of them. He, mm-hmm. he is still his scrawny self. They're all big buff boys. And then you also have the occult club. I don't remember if that's their exact name, but basically when mob joined the body improvement club at the beginning of this series, it was because the occult club was trying to use the room where they racked their weights and like the occult club needed a a home and they needed mobs help to like fill out their roster. And one of the things they wanted to do was like figure out if they could find something actually occult to attract people to joining their club and all that yada, yada, yada. So now these characters have become recurring characters because they're, the body improvement club wasn't able to give up the room where they stored their supplies, but they were like, there's space in here for you to use it. So of course just use it because we're the nicest people alive. And so the occult club members are there too. And there's just this like fun little group of people that are just like a little different from each other and have different interests, but are all just kind of nice to each other. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, man, just the best friends club is what they are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Best friends club. (laughs) So they go to this restaurant and they're eating, they're enjoying themselves. And one of the nice things about this too, is that you have seen, you've seen mob be embraced by these friends, specifically by the body improvement club members. This is a recurring theme throughout the series seasons one and two. I don't remember so much of mob embracing them back. Uh, like specifically of him just casually enjoying himself. He seems relaxed. He seems freer in ways that he routinely is not in this series. And I think that on top of the start of this being like, Hey, you, you pushed to a new personal best on these pushups and the way that mob stands up and the way that you can just see the pride radiating out of him. You can feel that there is something changing in this person. And so they're all sitting there and they're like, Hey, let's go out after this. We'll go to karaoke and we'll just keep the night rolling. And everybody's like, yay. And I think mob is like, Oh, I've never been to karaoke, but that sounds fun. 
And then he gets a call from Reagan. And here is where things go a little awry. Yeah, and by a little awry, he means, like, it 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 goes pretty off the rails pretty quick. Um, because Reagan, Reagan wants to make sure that um, he... He's he's needing mob less and less for mundane things and only really needing him for like the big jobs. And he's he's thinking to himself, like, man, I, I, I can do some of these small jobs myself. I don't have to call in mob. But when the there was like a an actual spirit exorcism that comes up, and he's just like, well, I'm just going to call him out because I can't actually deal with this, but it's important that we, you know, keep everything up. So he calls Mob, and Mob's response is he's just like, I want to stay out with my friends. I am busy right now. And I already asked you to not just call me at the drop of a hat. And he's just like, well, uh, you need to come out here because I need you in this situation, and this is your job. And so Mob apologizes to his friends, and then he goes and he helps Reagan, and he he exercises the spirit. And then on their way home, Mob was just like, "I really wish you would stop calling me at the drop of a hat." And Reagan was just like, "What were you doing?" And he was like, "I was out with my friends." And Reagan says the meanest shit I can think of in this moment, which is, "Yeah, oh, you're just being played by somebody else again. Is this you just being?" Um, it, you being dumb and uh, being talked into this, you need to grow up. And Mob's response is just like, they are my friends. You don't know what you're talking about. And they have this like huge blow up fight. Um, and yeah, it's, it ends with Mob just be like leaving and Reagan having that moment where he was just like, I, I maybe have said the wrong thing. And he also has this moment where Mob like goes dark for a second and he's like, shit. He'll, he might like attack me, you know? Yeah. So, he, yeah. It, it's so interesting because they have this fight, but they also, it's not a screaming match. They definitely raise their voices. And Reagan says some very hurtful things that, like Spencer said, he, he wishes he could take back after they have this conversation. Um, and Mob stands his ground. It's an argument, uh, but it's not a full out fight. And I think that's so interesting. Because it's just like, this is really their first major conflict. Like, obviously, they've had friction in the past because Reagan is, you know, a trickster and Mob is sincere. And that's been interesting. But here, there's just this bubbling over. And like I said, Spencer, you may remember differently or some of the listeners may. To me, when Mob was like, we've talked about this. I was like, I don't remember them talking about this. So this maybe was established off screen. Uh, or maybe I'm just misremembering either way. It totally works. And the fact that they like blow up at each other, but they like, it's not, it is not a screaming match. It doesn't dissolve into both of them saying the worst things ever. It is just, I disagree with you. And I think you're hurting my feelings. And then Reagan misreads the situation because the thing is he's right about mob from a while ago when he says mob doesn't have any friends that was true when he first met mob in fact it was true for a while and even though mob was accepted into the body improvement club he was an outsider not because they made him feel like one but because he hadn't relaxed into it and 
through these storylines that we've been watching, he has started to like form relationships that have continued through the show. And you've seen him start to relax into them. And so Reagan is speaking out of turn here, but he's also kind of reiterating a thing that used to be true. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, I know that this is true about my friend or about this person that I know well, my coworker, whoever. And now, you know, six months has passed and their life has kept going and things might have changed for them. But in my mind, that is a true thing about them. And I haven't revisited that thought to see if it's still true. And so it's like, it's so interesting. And then, of course, where where Reagan, I think, messes up is that he says this thing, which is very hurtful, even if it is true. Uh, and again, was true, is no longer true, but very hurtful regardless of the circumstances. Uh, the problem is that he doubles down on it. Yes. Because in the past, he has, I think, been successful at controlling mob by saying, like, I'm the only one who cares for you. I'm the only one who's doing something with you that's meaningful. I'm the only one that's, like, giving your life purpose and direction. And that's not true anymore. But it has been in the past. And all he had to do was hint at this and nudge Mob in the direction that he wanted, and Mob would go in that direction. Now, Mob is refusing. This is a first. And so he doubles down in the wrong way. And this is so human, because when people want something from another person, and it's always been easy to get, and they are surprised to find that it's not easy to get this time, they frequently react in a way that is thoughtless and reactionary, and that is almost always a bad thing. And that's what happens here. And it's so relatable and interesting. Yeah. Okay. So then we are going to have uh, a breakup of sorts. Um, Mob is going to decide that he is not going to go and help Reagan uh, for a while. And Reagan, instead of um, figuring out something else to do, he is going to have this like weird existential moment where he's just like, I'll just wait and I'll just keep on doing things and I'll see you mob when he comes back. And then we get one of the, like, I don't know if this is the saddest moment, but there is a group of people (laughs) at a bar that Reagan has been going to for a while. Apparently that like they like pin all of their like hopes and dreams on the backs of Reagan. <laughs> and like, yeah. they, they he's, like, he's a, he's a fucking celebrity to them. And he's yeah. like, he's like, this is a bar full of rubes <laughs> and all of these yeah, rubes yeah. will believe anything that I tell them. And basically, just, yeah. yeah, he's, he, he goes there and he's like, this is, it's so interesting. Cause he's very dejected and he's like, I go here to feel better because the, the like, the regulars at this bar are a group of gullible dunces. And I am a very experienced lying manipulator. And so I can just, you know, easily read basically what they want to hear and make them feel better. And they are so delighted that I made them feel better or presented some sort of solution for their problems so effortlessly that they treat me like royalty. And they are all just like freaking out when he shows up. And it is like, it's so sad for two reasons. One, because Reagan is insincere. He's been manipulating these people. 
their opinions of him are false. And it feels sad when you see people so sincerely duped by somebody who doesn't have any respect for them. But it's also sad because Reagan needs a friend. I Doesn't he go here after his birthday thing? Like it's yeah. Reagan's birthday and he goes online to see who wished him happy birthday. And the answer is no one except his mom, whose message was a passive aggressive message about how he's wasting his life screwing people over and lying to them. And her birthday gift to him was a job application. And Mm -hmm. he's dejected. And it's so sad because it's like, not only is it sad to think about the reality of these people being tricked, but he could just stop lying to them and try to make a connection because they love him. But instead he just ignores them and he just doesn't want to have anything to do with them because he has no respect for them. And so he came here almost on like a Pavlovian impulse because he knows this is where he goes when he's feeling down. He needs a pick me up, but this is not what he needs. This is really just a reminder of the person that he is wrestling with himself having been and that he's trying to have a reckoning. And it, it honestly is serving as more of a reminder of why he's in this lonely place that he's feeling than it is a pick me up. And their adoration is, you know, it's knives to him. Mm. Yeah, and he has he has that moment again afterwards when he leaves and he realizes that like nothing about what he is doing is true. Nothing about himself is true in any of these moments. And all he is doing is just continuing to be nothing and rely on mob and he like he he's had one drink and the bartender even says like he's acting weird and drunk. I don't think I even put alcohol inside of his drink. <laughs> and uh and Ma- and there is this amazing moment where um he g- is in the middle of the street instead of being like actively drunk what is really happening is that he's having a fucking panic attack where he's oh, just yeah. like he's like I don't know who I am, what I am doing and why I'm doing the wi- the things that I'm doing. And fuck, like, what is wrong with me? And instead of, like, in, in instead of in this moment, him being like, maybe I should drop all this stuff off. He's like, I should just make something of myself. And I'm yeah. going to do that. And that is what I'm going to double down on. And he does. He, he decides that he is going to, like, you know, become, uh, you know, a great, great, more, more important spirit. Uh, like he's going to do it on his own. Yeah. And there's this really cool montage where you see him and mob living their lives without each other. And they are both thriving. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. such an interesting thing where you're just like mobs having a great time. He's doing the body improvement club. He's hanging out with his friends. It's great. And Reagan starts. So I, he like, he makes a video of himself doing an exorcism, which is more bullshit. But also some of the stuff that he does is like, he leads seminars on not how, how not to fall for liars and con men, which I thought was really interesting because that is honest work and is awfully close to giving up the game. And like, he just, he starts making a name for himself by posting all this, all this stuff online. And he actually gets a nickname called the seasoning city bro, because he is seen as a sort of like helpful presence in this city where they live, which is called seasoning city. And it's just kind of 
it's kind of like charming to see them like thriving without each other because the thriving that they're doing is, I mean, in Reagan's case, it's a lot of work, but it's like, they're, they're just, they're focused on what they want and they're getting it. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the end of this episode, Reagan has made himself into a celebrity and he has been invited on a talk show and mob has is living a pretty great life with just his friends and his family. And the end of this episode is just, oh my God. The end of this episode is the show that he has been invited on. Reagan has been invited on this show. He thinks because he has become a psychic and made a name for himself. But what really is happening is that this guy, like, <laughs> there you might remember in some of our coverage recently one of the previous adventures they went on was to exercise an evil spirit from the daughter of a very rich man yes the very rich man used his riches to entice basically all of the psychics in the area to him and it turned out that the daughter was in fact possessed by a super powerful evil spirit and it was a whole thing at some point during that whole thing, the spirit did a little bit of body hopping. One of the bodies it hopped into is this powerful psychic named Kirin Jodo. Uh, Kirin Jodo, while possessed, was kneed in the face by Reagan as a <laughs> method of exercising the spirit from his body. And now Jodo has returned to be <laughs> the guy... Uh, they're going on like this paranormal investigation show, not like ghost hunters, but like a talk show investigating the idea of paranormal activities. And they have been invited on Reagan one as one of the well-known psychics because of his rising fame and Jodo as a more established psychic. And we, it is revealed to us that the producers found out about Reagan because Jodo told them about him. And this is all a setup because Jodo doesn't think that Reagan is a real psychic and he wants to expose him as a fraud on the national stage on TV because he need him in the face while he was possessed by an evil spirit. Yes. <laughs> and that takes us into the final episode we are going to be covering this week. Um, I think it's called Confronted... Uh, cor no, Cornered, True Identity. <laughs> so this episode, this episode starts out with Maybe maybe one of my favorite moments from the show so far, where like Reagan Reagan is just like, okay, so we're gonna figure out the spirit and uh we're we're gonna we're gonna deal with it because I have to deal with it. And They're supposed then, to be exercising a kid on live TV, basically. Yeah. And then he has this moment when like this kid is starts to starts to act weird, but it's not it's not in a way that he normally knows that like spirits probably would act well, inside of the situation. They're, they're, they're set up before he goes into it, where Jodo is like, they're like, okay, we're cutting to a commercial break, and after the commercial, we're gonna have an exorcism. And the producers come up and they're like, Jodo, you're going to exorcise the kid. And Jodo is like, I am an old psychic using old ways. Reagan is a new psychic who has just become famous for all the success he's been having. Why don't we let him do it? And Reagan is like, oh God, I can't do it because I'm not, I don't actually have powers. I will not succeed in exercising this kid on live TV. And then Jodo says something about how we're going according to script. 
And this is a, uh, it's a turn of phrase. And I would argue, you may disagree with me here, Spencer. I would argue that it is unclear whether or not Jodo is playing Reagan in this moment. Oh, he's I definitely, no. He's you definitely what? playing Reagan. And so because I, in the previous episode, because, he reveals that he can read Reagan's mind. So he yeah. knows, he knows what Reagan is thinking inside of almost every moment of the show. And so yeah. he but, is setting Reagan up. Yeah. Cause Reagan is like, Oh, it's scripted. Of course, this is television. Everything is scripted. So this kid is not, is not possessed. He is acting like he's possessed. And I, because this is scripted and because the show is psychic exorcists come on this show and do an exorcism for you live. It is clear to me that the script is I an exorcist will successfully perform an exorcism on this possessed kid. But I really know that the exorcism is bullshit and the kid is acting, but Jodo has tipped me off that that is the point of all of this. And that is what Reagan goes into this thinking. Mm -hmm. It turns out that's not true though. Um, No, it's a trap. (laughs) It's an elaborate ruse. But uh, the, the, the craziest part about this is that it's, it's not true and it is true. Um, yes. Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> yes. Because it turns out one of the things that is actually happening is that um, Reagan, uh, Reagan is being fooled by this. Um, I mean, let's just call him what he is. He's, he's just a weird old monster <laughs> man. Um, and what he what he wants to do is he wants to have Reagan use all of his fake abilities um, to, uh, to try to prove um, that he has, you know, psychic abilities. But yeah, what Reagan is- spends 30 minutes doing bullshit while the kid acts like a spirit reacting to exorcistic, you know, motions Mm-hmm. And at one point Reagan is like, I've been at this for a while. I am out of all of my like tricks and moves and I'm just making shit up now to make it seem like we're still doing this. What is this kid thinking? Is he going to stop acting like he's possessed at some point so we can move on with the show or not? Mm-hmm. And then it is revealed um, in, in like one of the, the final moments of this um, that he they're like, well, we have to move on for time. So why don't, why don't you just let the other exorcist take over and uh, he'll, he'll be able to, um, he'll be able to finish up. And he's just like, he's just like, it was all just a setup so that he could look good in the end. Oh, this is so obnoxious, but he comes out Uh there and he's like, this child was never possessed. And the child was like, yes, I was an actor. So the, the host is just like, so what were you doing, Reagan? Yeah. Uh-huh. Were you just like doing a setup so that you could like do this? And then one of the people says, one of my favorite parts about it is that they were just like, you were hitting him and stuff. Isn't that just abuse of a child? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so great. And it, it, it frustrated the shit out of me because yes, Reagan is lying. And I believe Jodo is actually psychic. Uh, but yes, he Reagan, is. He can read minds. Reagan is correct that the kid is an actor. 
Reagan is also acting <laughs> because he believes, and I think that this is a pretty reasonable belief based off of what he heard, that that is what the show is asking of him. And so he is doing everything he thinks he's supposed to be doing by keeping up the game for the benefit of everybody there. But it was actually a trick. And the the reversal of Johto just revealing that it was a trick and making Reagan's attempts to carry this ruse out a reveal is infuriating because while Johto is correct that Reagan doesn't have powers and that he was pretending to exercise the kid, he's not correct about why. And it's so frustrating. Oh yeah. Okay. So then there is a media barrage on uh, Reagan calling him out as a fraud, calling him out as a, a monster that he was trying to steal from people and all this bullshit. Uh, like, yeah, he's bullshit, getting slandered but, on Twitter. He's getting TMZ. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it, it's bullshit because it's happening to a character that we like. It's not bullshit in the fact that Reagan, you know, he really did lie all the time. Anyway, so deserves um, it a little bit. So there is, there's just like a media fallout to the point where Reagan is having like an existential break where he is being followed by these fucking reporters. And he's just like, fine, I will give a press conference. And they're like, great. So they set up this press conference and in the middle of the press conference, he has this moment where he's just like, what have I been doing with my life up until this point? Why yeah, he, have I been he's doing playing this? It, he's playing it straight at first. He spends all night planning how he's going to handle these reporters. And his play is essentially, you can't prove that I don't have psychic powers. Because you can only see my psychic powers if you have them. And you don't. So I can't prove to you that I'm psychic because you don't have the gift. And you are here out for blood, you jackals. So if I, all you want me to do is to say that I was a liar so you can get your story. And so he's basically, he is basically using word ninjutsu, not talk ninjutsu, but word ninjutsu to Mm -hmm. basically like, rompa them into a corner where he's like you can't say that i don't have powers because i am you know creating plausible deniability that you can't prove and you can't say that i don't have powers because i am making it clear that that's what you want and so i'm i am basically casting aspersions and casting a shadow of a doubt on you saying that i don't have powers definitively by highlighting that that's what you want to happen Mm-hmm. And he's trying to talk his way out of it. But yeah, then he has this like dark night of the soul moment. Yeah. And, it, it, and it's because somebody looks, somebody asks him, what did you like? They, they like find his like high school yearbook or something. And like his quote is that he wants to be somebody when he grows up. Yeah. And they ask him like, why did you get into this in the first place? And it leads to this great moment. Yeah. And he just has, he just breaks it down and then remembers that he was about to quit doing this. And he was just like, the only reason I didn't quit doing this was because mob came to me in a moment where I almost quit doing it. And he reminded me of like somebody that was looking for something to believe in. 
and yeah, he's just like see the meat and he's like you're you're a prankster you showed up to the paranormal office to say that you have powers and then mob shows him his powers and mob is looking at him because he believes that reagan has the same powers and mob just needs somebody to help him he needs somebody to point him in the right direction yeah and he his you see his eyes are like glowing and reagan even comments on it how full of like hope and need his eyes are and then he shows off that he really really does have powers and it sparks something in reagan and all of a sudden he's back in it and he's you know he's found like this is real and this kid needs me and this isn't all for nothing and he's like goes he whips around from wanting to close up shop to telling mob like be here at the same time tomorrow yeah it's like really amazing yeah it really is it's just uh, man this this show and the thing when he comes out of it is that that he says to him which is just so amazing is that he says uh he says uh you've really grown up haven't you and nobody all knows the reporters and, are like that's not an answer what does that mean <laughs> yeah and the other thing is that he reveals um, that like he has been, he has been thinking about mob this whole time. And also we haven't seen a moment where mob has been revealed to be watching this yet. No. And instead of anything else happening um, immediately, the thing that we see instead is that all of a sudden the room is shaking all, all of like the, uh, uh, all of the, like reporters gear and everything starts like floating up inside of the room. And everybody's just like, Oh my God, this is a psychic event. We are having like an actual psychic event in front of us. And everybody is freaking out. And everybody is just like, Oh my God. And Reagan is just like, well, what are you going to do about it? And he's just like fucking leaves. And yeah, several people ask, several people yell out point blank, like stop doing this. Or are you doing this? And he does not say yes, but he definitely speaks in a way that sort of like tacitly implies that he is doing it. Yeah. Um, and then, oh man, this is, this is probably the, the thing that will, it will rip at your heart in the final. Uh, for me, it's the very last thing, but yes. <laughs> well, what, what he said, what mob says where he's the, just like the last my last bullet point there, the last thing that mob says was like, I just was like, I sobbed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the first thing that he talks to mob about is he's just like, I didn't know that you were watching. And he was just like, yeah. And he was like, how long have you known? And what he means is that I don't have any powers and mobs response is, I've always known, which, uh, which he, he accepts as, Oh, he's always known that I don't have powers, but he's okay. He's okay being a part of this. But what he means at the very last moment is he says, I've always, uh, that my master is a good man. And he's just like, (laughs) it's just, it's just like the best. Oh my God. This. And then, they start playing the ending song, but they're not doing the ending animation because they're they're still walking off and talking, and they're just like walking off into the city together. And Mob's like, "Oh, by the way, I know I'm a few days late, but happy birthday!" Oh my and god! And I died. <laughs> like, 
Oh, it's so sweet. And just, ugh, this show is so good. And these, I think this is not the first time we've had this with Mob Psycho 100 uh, Part 2, where we're like, just watch these two episodes. And it is a little complete story that will just completely touch your heart. And this one mm-hmm. is so good. Yeah. And that's where we leave you. Uh, this has been, uh, you know, some of the best two episodes of anime I've watched in the past probably five years. Um, yeah. And uh, stick really with us fucking good. after the credits and we'll talk about what's coming on next week. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B and S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a geek-centric website that covers all manners of topics from video games and anime to tabletop games, board games, comics, and more. If you're looking for a website to add to your daily rotation for some of the latest news, reviews, and overall takes on where geek culture is headed, make sure to bookmark thegeeklygrind.com and pay us a visit. I also wanted to thank you uh, for being a faithful listener to this podcast. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is a vital member of our podcast family, which also includes Knights of the World Table, which is a D&D audio drama podcast, The Ink and Paint Club, an animation podcast, Comic Book Keepers, which is a comic book podcast, and Geek Exploration, the podcast which is on general geek culture. We also have the Geekly Grind podcast, which provides audio renditions of our published articles, special guests, and more. Make sure to seek those out and listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden episodes 152 through 156. Are you ready for more plot? It's got more plot that you can shake a stick at. It's like Plot City, motherfuckers. Let's get into it. (laughs) Is it like a ninja stick or is it one of like Yamato's like he made the stick or what, what type of stick are we shaking here?